Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you very much, everyone, and welcome to Numa Church. On behalf of Pastor Simone and I and the entire Numa Church family, it's such an honour to be just worshipping together with you. And whether this is your first time or you've been a part of our church for many years, welcome to Numa Church. We are in week two of our Holy Spirit series. Last week, we uh, began this series with focusing on the power of Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday. I'm so excited about these four weeks of teaching and ministry. And before we move forward into our message, why don't we just stop and pray together? And uh, even before I pray, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who calls Numa Church home, whichever location you are a part of. We just want to say thank you for your faithfulness during this season, uh, to your own relationship with God, obviously to leading your families, but also to generously sowing into the ministry of Numa Church. We're so excited about meeting you on the other side of this COVID season, but we do want to thank you for all that you are doing in your own faithfulness to your giving, to your prayer, to your own witnessing and evangelism, but also to your commitment to God's house. We really appreciate it. Why don't we pray together as we get into the Word. Father, we just thank you so much for this amazing day in your house. And we thank you, Lord, that wherever we are, when we gather together, even in spirit, oh God, there you are in the midst of us. And so, Father, I pray today that you would come and you would illuminate your word, that you would encourage us, that you would build our faith, that God, something supernatural would break out in our lives, oh God, on this day as we look again at your word and discover something fresh and new and alive about the presence person and power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that wherever people are at and whatever they're struggling with, Lord, it could be uh, some sort of habit or mindset, something they're wrestling with in their flesh. I thank You today, Lord, that every single one of us can walk in victory over our flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we commit this day, this moment to You in Jesus' Name. Amen. Why don't you keep looking to the screen and we're going to watch a short, brief introductory clip to our Holy Spirit series. Peace, be still. Jesus once spoke this to the violent storm that sought to fling us into the murky ocean depths. And when He left us, still the storm came. In the waiting, my heart stormed as it yearned for something that I never knew I'd decide before. The cords of selfish ambition and doubt within me were severed as he disappeared into the clouds, and a new cord drove me down to my knees in supplication and holy surrender. And on our knees is where we were found as the Holy Spirit came down. The sound like a rushing wind filled our ears and tongues of fire descended upon our heads, each of us being transformed into a holy temple, housing His presence. We began to utter words we had never heard before and spoke with wisdom that was not our own. We travelled to places we had only ever heard of and preached to people we once believed could never be reached. And the yearning has never stopped. For until He returns, far and wide we will spread the word 
With the Holy Spirit as our guide, we will cover the earth. Okay, well, I want to invite you to join me to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 25. Uh, Last week, we uh, looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, all about the day of Pentecost. We want to now move to another uh, dynamic of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit helps us to walk in victory over the sinful nature and over our flesh. And Galatians 5, 16 to 25 has lots to say about this. In verse 16 of Galatians 5, it says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these. I warn you, Paul says, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, Paul says, Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Today, I wanna speak to you on the subject of follow the leader, follow the leader. Now, as a kid, I can remember my parents taking me to a circus, a traveling circus. And uh, I remember when we showed up to the circus that uh, behind the property of that circus tent was in fact an elephant, a very large elephant. And I was impressed by the fact that this huge elephant was actually tied with a thin rope to a tree. And I thought to myself, why is it that a huge elephant would stay in place only attached to a a small rope to a tree? And I asked my dad about this and he began to unpack for me a few thoughts that I've since done some research. And I discovered that a circus elephant is trained not to run away by being chained up as a baby. And a baby elephant, that's about 100 kilos in weight that is tied to a metal stake in the ground, not necessarily a good thing, but they are preconditioned over a period of time when they try to pull away from the stake in the ground and because they don't have the strength as a baby to pull away, they're preconditioned over a long period of time to to no longer try, to stop trying to pull away because they just come to believe that they cannot actually uh, pull away from the stake. And so when they are now an adult elephant at about 500 kilos, because of that preconditioning and because of what happens in their own sort of mental processing of what's happening, they can be held to a tree with a very thin rope, even though they have the strength to actually pull away from from that tree. 
Well, I began to think about that when it comes to our spiritual lives. Many followers of Christ, many believers are like that adult elephant. They are no longer tied to the stake of sin because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for them, but they are still living defeated lives because they are preconditioned thinking that their flesh is greater than the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of them. If you have resigned yourself to a life of continual defeat where you believe that habitual sin is just what you have to live with, I wanna tell you today, this is not God's intention for you. This isn't what God uh, had in mind when He laid His life down upon the cross, when He sacrificed Himself, when He laid it all on the line. He had in mind that you would live a life of victory over your flesh, live a life of victory over habitual sin. You don't have to actually live a defeated life. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, life in all of its abundance, life in all of its fullness. A victorious life is available for you. You are not a victim, but according to the cross of Jesus Christ and the person and power of the Holy Spirit, you are victorious. In fact, Paul says it like this, that we are more more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. But you have got to understand some important things if you are gonna walk in victory over your flesh. And firstly, you need to understand that becoming a believer, when you get saved, it actually introduces you to an intensified conflict between your flesh and the Holy Spirit that now lives inside of you. Now, the Bible says in verse 16 and 17, go back with me to Galatians 5. It says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, many new believers are actually surprised by the intensity of spiritual warfare that increases in their lives when they become believers. They think that when they come to Christ, that you know, all their problems should go away. Everything should just be perfect. And now you're just walking with Jesus through the tulips of life every day of your life and everything is perfect and peaceful and calm. And then they come to the pastor's office or they come to their life group leader and they're like, what the heck is going on? It's like, it seems like spiritual warfare is increasing in my life and they may not even be able to articulate it, but they know that there is this increase of pressure in their walk with God. Now, there are two reasons for that. The first reason is when someone gets saved, their spirit becomes alive and they are literally transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you better believe that the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, is not gonna be happy about this. He is gonna do all he can to target the new believer because he is not happy about losing control of a, of a, of a lost soul that now has been saved and been reconciled back into relationship with God. 
But the second reason why the believer all of a sudden discovers an increase of conflict is because they now have a new nature in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. However, that new nature that has been introduced to them is a nature of the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives inside of them. They are now born of the Spirit of God. And so when we are born in the natural, at natural birth, we are born with a flesh nature. Although we are what we call a tripartite being, body, soul and spirit. Before Christ, your spirit is dead in sin. It's not alive. It's not awakened. It's not been born again. But when you come to Christ, your spirit is reborn, born again, and your spirit is made alive as the Spirit of God lives and dwells inside of you. So at spiritual birth, you are given a a new nature. You are given an awareness of a spiritual nature where unbelievers just experience a moral conflict between right and wrong. Believers not only experience moral conflict when they get saved, but they experience supernatural conflict, spiritual conflict between their flesh and the spirit. These two natures are not equal adversaries. They are opposed to each other because they belong to two different kingdoms. Now we see in the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul's journey of sanctification. That word sanctification means to become more like Jesus. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that happens in our hearts and our minds as we partner with the truth of God's Word and the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the Apostle Paul went on this journey after his conversion experience. The Bible tells us that in one of the letters that he wrote to one of the churches, he says, I am the least of the apostles. And then a little bit later on in a few more letters, he writes, I am the least of the saints. And then just before his life ended, before he went and spent all eternity with God, he declares, I am the chief of sinners. What is happening? The more that the Apostle Paul is walking with Jesus and growing in Christ's likeness, the more conscious and aware he is becoming of his own sinfulness, of the wrestle that exists between his spirit, the spirit of God, and his sin nature. You see, the more Christ-like you become, the more conscious you are of that contrast between your flesh and your spirit. Now, there's this false teaching that says when you get saved, you no longer sin because your flesh is crucified. And we just want to say right now that that is not what the Bible teaches. And they often quote, these false teachers quote Galatians 2.20 in a wrong context. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But they fail to observe what this passage in Galatians says, or they fail to simply observe within themselves or with any other believer, why is it that after we get saved, we still struggle with our flesh and we still lapse into occasional sin? Why is that? Well, part of the reason is is because we haven't crucified our flesh, nor do we walk in step with the Spirit. If we are still struggling with flesh, with our flesh nature, if we're still wrestling with our sin nature, which we will even after we get saved, it's because we are not actively, decisively crucifying our flesh and walking in step with the Spirit. 
And Paul talks about this in Romans 7, 18 to 25. Just listen to this. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil that I don't want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Stay with me. Paul says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he answers his own question with a resounding thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. You see, many believers resign themselves to continual defeat because they wrongly believe, just like that circus elephant, that the battle against their flesh is too hard. I can't do it. I've tried. I've, I've exercised willpower. But no matter how much willpower I exercise, I just can't seem to break through. And so they resign themselves to this is the best that life will ever be, even with Jesus. And I'm here to tell somebody today, the devil is a liar. That is not God's purpose. That is not God's intention for you. You can walk in victory over all manner of the works of the flesh. Why greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world? World, or that's even in your flesh. Jesus Christ has gone to the cross, sent the person of the Holy Spirit for you to experience and walk in victory and fullness and abundance of life in every single area of your life. Well, in the 1970s, Stanford University, a scientist there, researched 500 four-year-olds. And he researched them uh, with this test called the Marshmallow Test. Now, this test has become popularised in recent times, even during the COVID season. You might not have known it as the Marshmallow Test, but uh, there's all sorts of social media platforms that have seen this test in action, even in recent times. But back in the 1970s, the original research was where a child was offered a choice between an immediate reward of a marshmallow or two marshmallows if they experienced delayed gratification and waited 15 minutes. And so the researcher, after explaining the test, would actually go out of the room and then return 15 minutes later. And the test results came back that over 70% of those who were tested could not wait any longer than a few moments and they began to eat the marshmallow. Less than 30% actually practiced delayed gratification. And then what this scientist did is like 10, 15, 20 years later, followed and tracked this group of, uh, this research group to see the impact of the choices they made in later life and the impact upon their work their relationships, all sorts of things based upon their response of either delayed gratification or lack of. We're going to see a modernised version of this now. So I'd encourage you to keep looking at the screens and there is going to be a little video clip that uh, introduces us to a modern version of the marshmallow test. Check it out. Well, there you go. A fantastic 
illustration and picture that no matter how much willpower you have, you actually can't conquer your flesh on your own or with a great degree of difficulty. Why? The Bible tells us in Matthew 26, 41, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's no such thing as self-help in the Kingdom of God. So put your book away and pick up the Word of God. Because no matter how much you try to exercise your own willpower, there's only one thing that can help you, and that is the person and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now recently, Netflix has actually popularised a TV series called Tiger King. And it's quite a bizarre uh, episode of events in this particular man's life. I don't encourage you to watch it, but I got through a couple of episodes and that was enough for me. And so the Tiger King is actually a story of a man who breeds tigers and tames them essentially to make a profit. And this TV series follows this man in America as he seeks to make a profit. He also is waging a online war with animal activists who frown upon his uh, different methodology. And everything was sort of going okay for an episode or two until one of the tigers that he thought was tamed actually decided that one of the arms of the keeper looked delicious and looked uh, incredibly attractive for lunch. And the next thing you see is the camera's running to a particular tiger enclosure where unfortunately a keeper of one of the tigers had actually lost their arm in an incident with this tiger. You see, you need to understand something. Your flesh is like that tiger. And you may think that you're the tiger king and you can actually tame your flesh. But I'm here to tell you today, you cannot tame your flesh any more than an individual can actually tame the wildness out of a wild beast or animal. So how do we win the battle over our flesh? If it seems like it's impossible with our own willpower and ability, how do we actually conquer our flesh? And the Bible gives us two answers, two ways. These two ways are complementary to each other. They are not mutually exclusive. They must be done in cooperation with each other. And the first way to conquer our flesh is we must decisively crucify the flesh. Now the Bible says in verse 24 of our passage, Galatians 5, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now what Paul does in this passage is he contrasts the fruits of the Spirit with the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are actually broken up into a list of four areas. The first list has to do with uh, works of the flesh as they pertain to sexuality. The second list has to do with matters of worship or idolatry. The third area has to do with our relationships with each other. And the fourth area has to do with how we respond to being drunk and inebriated with alcohol. And so in verse 19, particularly of the Passion Translation, which gives us almost like a a modern uh, language or uses modern vernacular to help us understand biblical truth. In verse 19, the works of the flesh in the Passion Translation is interpreted as the cravings of the self-life are obvious. And it goes on with a list. I'm gonna read these out. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, 
chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favoured, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties and all other similar behaviour. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. You see, if you don't actively crucify your flesh, the kingdom of God becomes inaccessible to you. And the reason why this is so serious is because the kingdom of God is made up of righteousness and goodness and self-control. It's accessed by faith, but we continue in the kingdom of God by our partnership with the Holy Spirit. You see, in Mark 8.34, it says, if anyone would, would, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves. Now, if you look at that word self, it's actually speaking of the flesh. If anyone would come after Christ, Jesus says, you must deny your flesh. Not deny those desires that God puts in your heart to follow Him and to live the life He's called you to do, but to deny your flesh. Crucifying the flesh is not something that happens to you when you get saved. It's something you actively do in partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's not to us that it happens, but it's by us. I remember on my first ministry trip internationally to uh, Singapore many, many years ago, I'd preached for an entire week, multiple times, was quite tired by the end of the week and it was my last night in downtown Singapore and I was waiting for my flight the next day and so I was planning to meet a business friend at a restaurant and we're gonna have a friendly meal together and he unfortunately couldn't make it. So I'm eating this meal by myself and this rather attractive uh, lady kept on coming up during the meal. She was the manager of the restaurant, striking up a conversation. And when I went to pay for my meal and leave, she actually suggested to me that I would uh, go back to her apartment after she, after she knocked off work in an hour. And she asked me if I wanted to go back and have some fun with her. Now, in that moment, three thoughts occurred, literally all at the same time. The first thought that occurred to me was, I don't think she means to go back to the apartment and play a board game like Monopoly. I didn't think that's what she had in mind. The second thought that went through my mind was, no one is going to know. That was quite alarming. And then the third thought from the Holy Spirit was, what on earth are you thinking about? And right there in that moment, this convergence and collision of consequences and all sorts of things came abruptly into my face. And I realised I was faced with a choice. I could not control the external stimulus around me, but I could control my response by the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I had a decision to make. And so I rather awkwardly declined, paid the bill and ran for my life. And the reason I ran is because the Bible says, flee sexual immorality. A, a, a bad run is better than a good stand. And some of you are trying to stand against some things when you actually need to run away from some things. And the Holy Holy Spirit is giving you His presence and His power in your life, not just to speak in tongues, not just to preach the gospel really effectively, but to walk in victory over every work of the flesh that comes against you in your life. You see, if you want to know the secret to holiness, it begins with keeping a short account of sin in your life by repenting quickly. 
Repentance isn't just what you do when you make a mistake or when you occasionally lapse into sin. Repentance is an active commitment every single day of our life to change our thinking, to change, uh, actually ask God to change our heart response. The moment an impure thought enters your mind, you've got to take it captive, like the Bible says, and you've got to kick it out of your life in Jesus' Name. The moment an anxious thought enters your mind, you've got to take it captive. You cannot entertain the lies of the enemy in your life and you've got to kick it out. You've got to redirect your thinking. You've got to declare the truth over your life. You cannot entertain thoughts that come into your head because the battle over your flesh begins with your mind. The Bible talks about this in Romans 8, 5 to 10. Maybe you might wanna turn there with me. I'm gonna read this out to you. Powerful verses of Scripture. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. What are you setting your mind to right now in your life? In this COVID season, are you allowing yourself because no one is looking, because you've got more time on your own? Are you just sort of relaxed in your spirituality and your walk with God, complacent, setting your mind on the things of the flesh will only result in you operating and living by your flesh. But if you begin to set your mind on higher things, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. All of a sudden you start the things that used to be attractive to you are no longer attractive to you. You start to walk in victory over it. And Paul says in verse six, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's Lord. Indeed, it cannot, but those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, Paul says, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But listen to this. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You see, left to ourselves, We cannot crucify our flesh. And this brings in the second way and the second reason that you can walk in victory over your flesh. We must actively obey the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. In verse 18, back to Galatians 5, it says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And in verse 25, it says, but if we live by the Spirit, let us also follow the leader. The Holy Spirit is the leader of our lives. Let us follow the leader. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk by the Spirit. Now, the nine fruits of the Spirit that are in this passage of Scripture are a byproduct of abiding in Christ and actively following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, I remember back to 1992, I was a year nine student at Parade Catholic Boys College. I was on the track team and every morning before school for an hour, I'd train with the track team and that would be sometimes on the athletics track or in the gym, getting stronger for our competitions, etc. And so I remember over a series of weeks, I would go into the gym at school and I would begin to covet the weights that were in that gym. Some of you are coveting your, your, your dream car, maybe 
maybe coveting a job or a position or a role at work, maybe coveting a person. Uh, but me, no, wait. So there I was and I was uh, wanting to get stronger at home. And so we didn't have any weights at home. I should have just asked mum and dad, but no, I had the bright idea of just borrowing these weights, should I say more thieving these weights and taking these weights back home. I was still being sanctified at the time as I am now. And so uh, if you're a school teacher in the staff room looking back across the oval, Jason Kellart, and you were to see that there was, uh, uh, just before school, you would see that there was a student who was in a full school uniform dragging their backpack filled with nearly 70 kilos of weights. It was an amazing feat. I was like the strongest year nine student there was. And so there I was and I'm dragging these 70 kilos of weights to my garage. Now, because there was no CCTV footage, we don't actually know who was dragging those weights. I may have just confessed to it, but at the time, there was no CCTV footage. But if you were to go to my garage just a few hours later, you would have discovered that these weights would in fact be in that garage. Now, I had every intention that when I was finished with those weights, I would take those weights back. I convinced myself that was what I was gonna do. Well, 10 years passed. That's right, 10 years. And I'd used those weights for about, oh, a few months and I'd become bored and lazy with them and just went back to the, the track and the gym, etc. But 10 years have passed. Now, I am a youth and young adult pastor at my church. I am now a man of God. I'm now spending time in prayer every single day. I am now getting invites to preach across the cities of the great land of Australia. And I have six weeks of travel uh, coming up and I've got youth events and youth conferences and all sorts of things. And I'm praying, Holy Spirit, would you fill me with your anointing? Would you fill me with your power? I'm praying for souls and for signs and wonders. And then as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit says to me, take back the weights. And it puzzled me, it confused me because I'd forgotten about these weights. And so I'm searching my mind through the Scriptures, lay aside the weights, Hebrews 12, and the sin which so easily entangles you and looking to Jesus, a founder, run the race that He set before you. And I say, yes, God, I'm laying aside the weights. I'm taking back, I'm putting the weights aside and I'm running half after you. And He said, no, take back the weights. And when He said it a second time, a light bulb goes off in my heart, in my head. And all of a sudden I see this video reel, this movie reel of me taking those weights 10 years before. All of a sudden I started to feel shame. I started to feel condemnation. I started to feel embarrassed. I can't go and take back those weights. I'm a man of God. And then the devil starts to go, you can't do that. How embarrassing, how humiliating will this be? But all I could hear the Holy Spirit saying to me is take back the weights. And so after a bit of a wrestle, I loaded up the car with the 70 kilos of weights, true story. I drove 30 minutes back to my suburb where I grew up in all those years and back to the school. I parked in the car park and I had a bag and I'm dragging the weights back across the car park. It was like deja vu. And I walk into the reception area and I walk up to the receptionist and I'm trying to think of creative ways to try and tell them what I've done. I began with, oh, well, I was a student 
student here 10 years ago, I may have borrowed some weights and not brought them back. And then the more I felt comfortable as her smile on her face widened, I was able to accurately and honestly articulate what had happened. And she said, it's all good. You leave those here with me and I'll take care of them for you. I walked out of that reception so much lighter. I just felt like the weight was off of my shoulders. And the next six weeks, I saw more people get saved, more miracles, more breakthrough in all of the meetings that I had ministered in. See, you've got to understand something. If you're going to walk in victory over your flesh, not only have you got to crucify it, but you've got to understand that where the Holy Spirit leads, you've got to follow and you've got to obey. The Holy Spirit does the leading, we do the walking. And this is not passive submission, it's active obedience. Just as the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted above all things, the Holy Spirit leads us like the wind in the sails of a boat. If you're on a boat and your sails aren't up and the wind comes, you aren't necessarily going anywhere. But when you set your sails to the wind on that boat, all of a sudden you start to go in a particular direction. The same is with the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, victory over your flesh is available for you. But the only way to live in victory is to actually crucify your flesh and walk by the Spirit. Let me say that to you again. The only way that you can walk in victory is to crucify your flesh and walk by the Spirit. Follow the leader. The Bible says in Romans 12:1 that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. You know, the problem with living sacrifices is we uh, tend to crawl off the altar. It almost seems like a paradox, a dichotomy. You're alive and yet you're living a sacrificial life. And it's actually not a paradox, but it's a reality that can only be found as you walk with the Spirit. Your spirit is alive. You have to crucify your flesh and you have to partner with the Holy Spirit in your life to keep walking in victory. I wanna say to every single person that is watching this online today, you don't have to live in continual defeat. You are not a victim, but you are victorious because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for you. You need to crucify your flesh today and you need to leave it nailed to the cross. Not only that, you don't have to live by your own strength but there is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit available for you. You need to follow the leader and you need to watch the appetite for the things of the flesh begin to be subdued and decrease in your life. The closer you get to God, the more aware you become of your sin nature and the, more, and, and the less desire that you actually have to fulfill or please that nature. The Holy Spirit is our leader. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And just in a moment, I actually wanna pray for every single one of us. People who may be wrestling with, uh, it could be a habit, it could be an occasional lapse of sin in your life and you feel a lot of condemnation or shame about that. Well, today you've heard the Word, it's now time to partner with the Spirit and put that Word into action. You have a role to play in your testimony of walking in victory. 
And we're gonna pray for you in a moment. I'm gonna pray for you that that would become your reality. But before we do, let's just continue to look at the screens and we're going to watch uh, an item now, a dance that we've pre-recorded that perfectly and beautifully illustrates this wrestle between the flesh and the spirit and that victory is made possible, not just because of Jesus' victory on the cross, but because of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why don't you check out the screens? What a powerful reminder that the cross has the final word. And wherever you are right now, I'm gonna invite you to actually pray with me because I believe that based upon the truth of God's word, and your partnership with the Holy Spirit, you can walk in victory over every area of defeat in your life. Maybe you felt incredible condemnation and shame and guilt because no matter how hard you try, you haven't been able to conquer and walk in victory over your flesh. Well, today there is hope. There is a truth in God's Word that if we live by the Spirit, we can also walk by the Spirit. We can keep in step with our leader. And I'm gonna pray for you right now, whatever it is that you're wrestling with, whatever work of the flesh, that can be replaced and developed by the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. So wherever you are, would you pray with me? Would you bring your faith to this prayer right now? As we come into agreement, we're believing that the truth of this and with this prayer is gonna become a manifest reality in your life. So why don't you, maybe as a way of a sign of surrender, is just lifting your hands and saying, God, I've done all I can. Now I'm surrendering to you. I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice to you. Come and help me. Help me to play my part, but come and do your work in me. Why don't we pray together? Father, we come to you right now and we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the victory that was made possible to us through the cross. And we thank you, Lord, that not only does the cross have the final word, but you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the person, the presence and power of the Spirit of God to empower us to walk in victory over our flesh. And God, I thank you that no longer are we tied to that stake of sin. But Lord, we have access, we have freedom through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, for people today wrestling with all sorts of issues or works of their flesh, the, the sinful cravings of their flesh, Lord, be it lust, pornography, be it areas in relationship of envy and jealousy, Lord, be it uh, in, uh, with substance abuse or in matters of worship and idolatry, covetousness, whatever it is, I thank You today, God, that they can be place by the developing fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Father, I pray today supernaturally, right now, would You take Your Word today? Would You take all that everyone has seen and heard today and would You apply it to our hearts that Lord, we would not assume the posture of a victim, but Lord, we would remember that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Father, I pray for testimonies to come out of this message today. I pray, oh God, for supernatural breakthrough in people's lives. And Lord, where people have wrestled with even an occasional lapse into sin. Father, I thank You that their appetite for the things of the flesh are decreasing as Lord, they crucify their flesh and walk by Your Spirit. I pray today, God, would You fill us with Your Spirit? Would You empower us with Your Spirit? And would You help us to follow You? And like the Apostle Paul, as we grow closer to You, oh God, 
God, may we not only just be conscious of the, the, the sin nature, but more importantly, may we become increasingly aware of the victory that we have through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we become more and more like Jesus. I pray this today for every single person. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.